From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing just fine. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Good. So, getting into the Thanksgiving feel. Yeah. I can smell the turkey and stuffing and gravy and potatoes. Yeah. yeah. I'm. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a weird Thanksgiving for me because I plans are still not completely locked into place into what's actually happening. So... Uh, it, it usually I've I've celebrated Thanksgiving at home, but uh, but Kylie's family I, I just found out last year that they actually celebrate Thanksgiving after thinking that they didn't celebrate any holidays together. So uh, now now we may be going to to Southern Georgia to celebrate some Thanksgiving oh. for for a night, but then I have to. I have to be back. I already put my foot down on it. I'm like, I'm okay if we go up Wednesday, and I'm fine staying through Thursday, but I have to be back Thursday night because Record Store Day is on, on Black Friday. And there's a oh, couple... Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Every... The... You know, the, I forget when the one is in spring. That always, I feel like, kind of bounces around whatever small business week is, but then... Then the one that I care about the most usually is on on Black Friday because usually there's at least one holiday album that is released that I, I try to get my hands on. This this past year around it was the soundtrack to Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and I remember that. I yeah. failed remarkably at that. I wanna say if I remember correctly that I was like sixth or seventh in place on the wait list at my record store in case they got any more in stock but everything else i was able to get and i they i saw that they are re-releasing the record again this time around it's going to be a picture disc which i'm not super happy about i don't like them as much i i prefer just classic vinyl a nice mm-hmm. black vinyl with beautiful artwork and the cover and all that and the slip uh but I have to have that soundtrack on vinyl, so I I told her I don't I don't care when we go up for Thanksgiving, but I will be in line at my record store probably at like six or seven in the morning. Oh my god! So I'm I need yeah. to be home. <laughs> we used to do that. I have to find out what else though is on sale. Uh, what what Disney stuff's on sale? Because I'm going down to Carol's family for Christmas. I mean, I'm sorry for Thanksgiving well, and Christmas. This year, we hadn't been able to go in the last few years because Carol couldn't travel. But um, I'm toying with the idea of staying overnight instead of driving to back home on Thanksgiving. Driving down is hellish. It can take four to five hours to get to San Francisco because 
everybody's on the road at the same time. Coming back isn't so bad because not everybody's returning home at the same time. But, uh, but, um, but I only just, I only learned a, a few months back that, you, you know, you know, you know, the Renaissance fairs. Well, in San Francisco, they have a Dickens Christmas fair that's in the same vein as that. It's all set in Victorian times in the setting of some of Dickens' novels. And they have food and festivities and vendors and games and all that. But it's Victorian London at the time of Dickens. And they have, you know, they have like, I, I used to go when I was in high school and I had no idea they still had them. And they have like, you know, they have Fezziwig's Hall where they have the dancing and food and all that and all kinds of stuff. So I'm toying with the idea of spending the night and um, going on Friday um, to the Dickens Fair. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. If I was around, I'd do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Give up and and not worry about record store day. Yeah, there's there's nothing that good for Disney. Uh, I there's barely anything Disney released. Uh, I think they're actually doing pretty much just singles for record mm-hmm. store day and not an actual big release like they have in the past. So I, I think you'd be fine skipping it. I'm just okay. in my opinion looking on, cause I know, I know you and I look for a lot of the same stuff when it mm-hmm. comes to, to records and especially when it comes to Disney and there's nothing there's nothing to really go out of the way for. It's just for me. I, I, I. We've talked enough about Emmett Otter. I don't need to beat that into the ground, <laughs> but I need, I need that record, or I need uh, everyone who's out there listening right now to take up a a donation and buy me one of the copies on eBay. That God knows how much it's going for now. I, my sister asked me last year, like, "Oh, what do you want for Christmas?" And I, the record I didn't get. So I'm like, "Okay, like twenty bucks." And I'm like, eh, "It was like a hundred twenty, I think." Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's crazy! <laughs> I, so. Yeah, I the the most I paid for a record ever that I wasn't able to get on Record Store Day was I I bought when the Muppet Movie soundtrack was released years ago, and I couldn't get it. I I think I paid like. 60 for it on ebay and you know then i felt stabbed in the the chest when it got sent to my door and the person left the 1999 price tag on it (laughs) three times as much but uh you know it's the things i do for my my muppets and muppet related henson products i just yes (laughs) i lose my mind (laughs) well some good news is that um, Mickey Mouse, a Walt to the World exhibition at the Walt Disney Family Museum is has been extended until February 17th, 2020. So, Craig, you have more time to come out and see it. So. Yeah, I need to get out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig, is there anything you wanted to say this week about the Give Kids the World auction for the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're too close to really participate in the auction, but or not to participate, to send in anything for the auction, but you can still participate in it. So we will be launching on that Saturday after Thanksgiving, which, of course, is November 30th. And I I mean, we're recording this way in advance because Michael's doing some traveling and then I'm doing some traveling. So I apologize for 
the details could change, but I'm pretty confident based on last time around uh, what they'll be. But I believe we will be starting our show sometime around 10 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, and wrapping up at 10 o'clock at night, Eastern time. So a full 12-hour show. It'll be broadcast on YouTube.com slash Diz Unplugged and available at Diz Unplugged and on the Diz and all over the place. And that will, along with the start of that live show, that's when we will also be launching our uh, our our auction for to raise money for Give Kids the World. And as I mentioned a couple weeks back, all the money that is raised in this auction is going directly to Give Kids the World. We are not we're not we're not you know taking any money from it at all. It's whatever. Whatever you see in the auction that you you bid for and you maybe win, that money is directly going to give kids the world. So it's all benefiting mm-hmm. that and hoping it is a great success. And if you don't see anything you like, but you like the the marathon show that we're putting out, we'll have an option where you can donate some money so you can have the entire show uh, to watch as you want. Otherwise, if you're not able to catch it live, you'll be able to see select pieces released later on YouTube. Uh, just little bits and pieces, you know, not, not the entire show. Like like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we'll, we'll have a breakdown towards the end of the show where we're all going insane and uh, just let it go off the rails completely. And so you might not be able to see stuff like that unless you you make that donation to it but it, it's going to be a lot of fun you know it's 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 a long day for us we've only done it once before and despite having plenty of pre-recorded segments and it was one of the most exhausting things i've ever done for the diz but also one of the most successful things that we ever did you know it's only day one of the auction and i believe we Last year, we took it for a week or two weeks and just was wildly, wildly successful for us and raised a ton of money. And I, I know we're going to do it again. And, you know, it's it's almost I almost wish that it was we we closed out the auction with that that marathon show just because it's like the watching the numbers come in at the end could probably only be just as exhausting as is actually doing all 12 hours for it but it's a lot of fun and i know people are busy shopping and such after after the holiday weekend and you might be out all day black friday and you know for me i'm i'm an ohio state football fan so i have to take time away from watching watching the game the biggest game of the year ohio state versus michigan on that saturday so if i can take time away on my saturday to help support a good cause then everyone should should be able to tune in at least Mm -hmm. for a little while and and do the same so it's just it's going to be a blast so please watch us and uh, donate if you can and it's yeah that's that's all i can say it's going to be fun Yep. It will be, yeah. And um, hey, maybe that Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas vinyl will be donated. You can bid on it. I hope it's donated directly to my pocket. Uh, I mean, not my pocket. I don't have pockets big enough to fit that. But if it's directed, uh, don't if it's donated directly to my uh, my turntable, and it just happens to turn on, then that's that's also a benefit. I really do not send me this vinyl. I'm just joking around about this. I'm going to get it on record store day, and I'll I'll make sure to post a picture of myself in line early. So so you can. See me and, and, and holding it, yeah, too. Yeah. And if I'm not okay. successful, then we'll start talking about whether or not. <laughs> okay, well, 
Disney Plus debuted on November 12th, and I have no doubt Disney fans are bleary-eyed from watching all the treasures that are tumbling out of the Disney vault and into their homes. Well, with the Walt Disney Company's acquisition of 20th Century Fox, Disney promoted that the Fox Library would be part of Disney Plus. However, a few weeks ago, the interwebs were abuzz with the news that Disney was locking up much of the Fox Library into their vault. Craig, what's your perspective on this? What can you tell us about this? <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit worrisome, but not I, I don't want to say so much for me, but in general it it is slightly worrisome just because you don't know how far this is going to be taken. But essentially uh, this kind of blew up a little bit because uh, it, it's it, when you say it's placing the movies in the vault. It's not that they're going away and you're not going to have access to purchase them. A lot of it is based around uh, smaller theaters wanting to actually screen the Fox movies. And, and this, this actually, I mean, the first time I saw about this, it was all the way back. I want to say late July or early August that, one of the newspapers wrote an article about it like is is it actually going to happen but then it got rebrought up uh recently after a couple theaters a couple theaters were saying like yeah we we wanted to we put in requests to to show fox movies and and they were actually denied the the opportunity to show to them and it's it's scary because Fox never placed these restrictions on a lot of their movies. And we're talking not, not the big ones, like not, not deep cuts, like sound of music, or I guess deep cuts would be the small ones. I'm not talking about stuff like alien uh, sound of music, such stuff like that. That's on the next level. We're talking about like a lot smaller movies, uh, like the, the classic, um, I think one of the ones that was, that couldn't be screened was the classic the fly uh the original version mm-hmm. of that and um and some of the like the horror movies that that fox produced so it's it it's definitely not something you want to see because it's been it's been in a way for a lot of these movies to get out before in the past and if they're not able to be shown in these smaller theaters or even bigger theaters through like Fathom events right now, Fathom events are still going on, and they are they're they're hugely popular, and you see them all the time at any of the theaters. But it, you know, if if smaller art houses aren't able to film a lot of these smaller movies, then then it it does beg the question: if they're not hitting streaming services and they're not being shown in these these theaters where where are you going to get them but the reason why it it's not a huge issue for me is primarily because i know some of the ones in orlando that show some of the older movies they're they're essentially just showing digital copies of the movies and not actually showing them on film and so for me that's that kind of takes away a lot of the intrigue of seeing older movies screened like if Mm -hmm. if i want to watch a classic film i want to watch it as as it's meant to be seen not not okay well we we have a blu-ray copy of it that we're going to pop in and project it on a giant (laughs) screen like that's that 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 doesn't do anything for me so Mm -hmm. uh it's 
but I know there are like there's one theater in Orlando that does try to show stuff on film and and they try to show stuff as it's meant to be seen and so it, it, it's a really it's a really tough thing but it's scary because Fox Fox has a lot of titles out there that are definitely not Disney friendly they they bought a lot of movies that aren't what the Disney family would love to be out there as much as you know Bob Iger's happy to to tout that out there but uh it's you know now we're into November but one of the things they ran into was obviously with Halloween season being a big time for it even though it's a year-round event but Rocky Horror Picture Show was was Mm -hmm. a tough one that they they couldn't really put their foot down on any of the the midnight screenings out there with it because they know if they would pull that then that is a black eye on disney there are a lot of people out there who who still go to those any every week when they have them uh, every other week in some places and you know more random occasions but it's troubling but i'm not i'm not ready to really get too worried about it but it is something to keep an eye on it, it could it could go downhill really quick yeah, yeah. Well, they keep an eye out on yeah. it and see. But and, and that's what Hulu is for too. For some of the, um, you know, things rated higher than PG, and, the, and that's the hope for them that Hulu mm-hmm. will be the home for for all of those movies. But right now, Hulu is until all these other streaming platforms debut, like the Peacock for NBC. You know, Hulu is this this. It's basically the same as it was before Disney bought it. It's a great way to right. catch up on all the shows that yeah you, you see from NBC, ABC, some CBS on there, and throw in the movies with it too. So it, it's going to be it's going to be weird to see how Hulu adapts in the future as those other yeah. streaming services break off. Yeah, well, that's a good point because people who are cutting the cord. You know, years ago, could easily get their television content by subscribing to Hulu for television programming, Netflix for films. If they were Amazon Prime members, they had Amazon, you know, Prime. Uh, so, and it was, they were good. You know, they had mm-hmm. everything they needed. But now it's getting more difficult and more expensive to cut the cord as each television network, film, studio, and independent companies are offering their own streaming service. And some of them are pulling their content from services like Hulu and Network in order to have it on their own um, services. Or they're, you know, cannibalizing each other. Like, you know, was it HBO Max grabbed Mm -hmm. Friends from Netflix and all that. So I still subscribe to cable. But, Craig, you cut the cord. So how are you now dealing with this glut of streaming services? I I actually did not cut the cord. Oh, I, I thought you did. No, okay. I am a big proponent of not cutting the cord. Actually, okay. I, I one one of the things that I I do, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush on it. I I know a lot of my friends who cut the cord. They mm-hmm. flat out they resort to pri- piracy in order to get uh-huh. everything okay. that they want. You know, they they subscribe to Hulu. They subscribe to to netflix and they might subscribe to like hbo go or showtime or whatever but then they still fill in the gap then by saying oh well i like this show but i don't want to subscribe to it so i'll just download episodes and or it's i really want to see this movie and so i'll I'll download it so i'm not i you know i'm not i'm not calling out any one particular person i could 
I could count on my hands and toes and still not have enough room for people that I know that <laughs> that do this. And yeah, but that's also my generation grew up in that time period with Napster and and piracy and not understanding the what what it could do and you know and mm-hmm. watching watching studios and record producers also not understand what what the impacts could all be on it so it's i don't want to i don't want to give anyone out there a pass on it because it's it's definitely not okay but it's something that i know like when when my cousin taught me how to to pirate music i didn't understand that it wasn't okay it just to me it was like oh it's it's all there now it's it's at the it's at my fingertips I, and all i have to do is wait 10 minutes and eventually this one four minute song will be downloaded to my computer and i can have it forever and so but that's that's a whole different whole different thing but with with cutting the cord you know the people i know who are like oh well we moved on to other services like like hulu tv or youtube tv playstation view that's going away stuff like that i start asking them like okay well how much are you actually paying for it and a lot of times they're telling me that they paid more for their setup to have fast enough internet to stream everything that they want, plus paying for the service to have all the channels that they want. They're paying either the same or more that I pay for my cable. And then they're also paying for Hulu and Netflix on top of it, too. So to me, it's just I, I can't I can't imagine cutting when I'm getting more than any of these extra services can can promise with their TV subscriptions. But mm-hmm. I'm also getting my DVR service as well, too. And the fact that I'm supporting, in my case, I'm supporting Spectrum, I don't expect them ever to, to really squeeze my internet because because I'm streaming too much on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, you know, because I'm paying them for cable, too. So I'm giving them extra money. I don't have those problems. I know we live in a day where for all those people out there who only pay for their internet when they they when they look at what you're doing with it and you're watching all these services that they're not affiliated with they're going to start making sure that that they're squeezing every little bit of bandwidth out of there and you're not getting the right quality or oops your service went down for a little while you're not able to watch it uh you know that's going to happen eventually yeah. especially as is everything breaks down with the internet and regulations and such uh so uh, i will admit i hate paying for the amount of services that i pay for and adding i'll i will have hulu netflix and and disney plus tech i will uh, those three will be my main ones i get hbo through my cable but apparently i won't I will have to get HBO Max separately from my HBO Go and HBO subscription that I have for my cable. So that's annoying, but I'll probably get that anyways because, you know, they, they've they announced a bunch of amazing things for for HBO Max. And, like, one of the big ones for me, even though I own most of them on Blu-ray, but all the Studio Ghibli movies, which I... I love watching and half the time I'm like I in my bedroom I don't have a Blu-ray player and so I'm like okay if I want to watch these I have to go downstairs or I have to spend 50 bucks and get a Blu-ray player for upstairs that's my personal problems on there but it's hard spending this much money on all this stuff but 
I'm going to keep doing it because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out in a few years and see which of these streaming services survive. Yeah. So, okay. Well, in our last episode, I shared my top 10 list of what I am most looking forward to on Disney+. Plus. And in this episode, Craig is going to share his top 10 list. And like last week, I only shared my list with Craig uh, moments before we recorded the episode. Uh, Craig did the same with me. And all I can say is I found it fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so, Craig, I'm going to let you... Uh, take it away yes. so this is going to be a list where i'm going to get judged thoroughly and uh you'll probably hear michael speaking to me condescendingly at points throughout this but <laughs> i fully embrace it uh it's when i made my list i truly picked stuff that that you know it might be accessible to some people and some people might own some of the content i'm talking about already on on blu-ray or dvd it's stuff that i physically don't own and that's why i'm excited about it coming to disney plus because it gives me a chance to rewatch it as much but it, that being said the my list is pretty much stuff that like after everything we talked about on michael's episode this is all the stuff that I will start to dig into after. So uh, Michael <laughs> Michael covered all the important things, the stuff that we really want to see from Disney+. Plus. Now mine's kind of like the deep cuts, and a lot of them are from when I was growing up. So I'm going to throw that out there. There's some terrible stuff on my list, but uh, there's also some interesting ones. So I'm actually going to start by saying uh, a couple honorable mentions and I'll, I'll just list them off and and feel free to, to pop in after I'm done with them but i'm very excited that uh treasure of matacumbe is going to be on here it was oh that's a good one yeah one of the one of the first uh, in the first rounds uh, first year of of treasures from the disney vault treasure of matacumbe was on there and uh, you know it was a lot of people were looking forward to it when it was debuting because the the finale of it was filmed on um oh my gosh why is it blanking my mind the island in walt disney world with the birds right outside of fort wilderness a discovery discovery island, island thank you yeah. yes uh the the finale was was filmed there so it's it is a living piece of walt disney world history in this movie and it's terrible let's get let's let's get to your top 10 before we start already getting into an honorable mention. i'm just gonna mention them quick this is gonna take time no, we're, we're, we're all good uh it's that one uh saludos amigos from 1943 i know it's available on a blu-ray two-pack on disney movie club but how many people have money for that return to oz disney movie club exclusive don't like that and then to sum it all up there's a handful of uh mickey mouse shorts and stuff like lonesome ghosts and the band concert ones that we've talked about recently those are going to be on there okay but okay, if you're doing this list to try to redeem yourself for your top 10 it's not working okay well now you kind of saw like a me top on that. Um, <laughs> you, you're trying to do like a top 15 now no 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 i stuck to 10 
<laughs> and we're already well into this show. Well, so. you saw yeah, through geez. me a little bit on this one. It's not. <laughs> it apparently didn't work, but I tried anyways. So I will now. I'll give you my real list of stuff I'm most looking forward to, and it's going to start out with a doozy. Uh, this one's from 1998. I'm going in alphabetical order. No, no actual order, but uh, from 1998, a Disney Channel original movie, Brink. So, Michael, have you seen Brink? I do remember this yes. one, starring uh, America's treasure, Eric Von Det. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You <laughs> might remember him from such movies as the remake of uh, Leave It to Beaver, or the reimagining, and uh, other other things of that. But essentially, Brink is uh, one of the terrible, terrible Disney Channel original movies that stuck with me. You know, it, it came out right in the heart of, like, X Games fever and extreme mm-hmm extreme sports and you know i i was 11 years old when this came out so of course that was that was my life that's what i watched on tv it's what what i played video games about and brink was about essentially a a series of kids uh, a group of kids that you know they they considered themselves soul skaters and and they they got into competition and then had to deal with uh you know deal with the the other group who of course was sponsored and a lot flashier and definitely mean and and you know of course they have to grow and then dealing with okay well what if what if we start to sell out a little bit in the long run and it's a really awful movie i i can't say that enough and this is inline skating, not not the yep. dog eat dog world of figure skating, just so that, that people know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would, save that for the yeah. cutting edge because uh, because it was it was it's very loosely based on you know Hans Brinker um, or the Silver Skates, that, mm-hmm. you know the the novel. So yeah, and it's it, it's one of those it, it's one of those Disney Channel original movies that it just I. I'm one of those people. I think there's only probably like five of them that actually left an impact on me, and this is this is one of them. But you know, overall, it's got a it has a nice message at the end about friendship and you know not not mm-hmm. selling out on your friends and it's do do what you love first and foremost and then worry about the money and and such later which is which is a theory that i semi believe in you know of course i have Mm -hmm. to with this job it's it's do what you love and then you you get successful from it but i I don't think that's always the case for everyone but it's just it's a light-hearted romp that i think you know for a lot of people my age they probably watched it on disney channel and forgot about it and it's it's nice that you know, they they've re-aired it a couple times when they've done Disney Channel original movie marathons, but it's nice now that it will be always accessible. And I'm sure I'm going to rewatch it and regret every second of it. But uh, not as much as I will regret rewatching the next movie on my list. And I think this is where Michael was ready to give up on this episode entirely and this little ditty came in 2002 you you had you had me at brink (laughs) you you have never said one good thing about the country bears well that and that is my my next choice uh (laughs) i i have never said anything good about the country bears and i still will never say anything good about it but i the reason why Country Bears got really brought back into my life is one of my favorite podcasts is is a show called How Did This Get Made? And 
they you know they cover a full variety of films terrible films uh on it and just recently this summer they they featured the country bears on it and and you know it's just two hours of them making fun of this movie and wondering why the decisions were made to to make it and and so it I actually a lot of times with the movies, you know, I'll, I'll rewatch them and I can only make it through a little bit of it. Country Bears was one that I I went to my library and I rented it and I I slugged it out. It is truly truly terrible and it is hard to watch. It's like it's offensive to minds out there. The fact that <laughs> the fact that you know these original movies based on on theme parks the fact that we could like transcend what happened with the country bears and and end up getting something like pirates of the caribbean after this is just just mind-boggling because they could have even though pirates of the caribbean would have been well into production uh, they could have easily looked at what was happening at country bears and said let's just shut it down this thing is a complete mess and uh but but they went through with it and you know, it's it's Haley Joel Osment as the voice of of a bear who's growing up with a family <laughs> that is all Barry human. Barrington, <laughs> who, I bet they took them hours to come up with that name. <laughs> You're giving them too much credit on hours. I think, it, <laughs> I think it was the first thing that they they came up with and said, "We've just got to roll with this." And mm-hmm. you know, then he's but he loves the country bears, so he goes. He goes on this journey to to see the country bears, and then they have to save their hall. Like any good uh, revival redemption movie, they've they've got to save uh, Grizzly Hall, and oh, it just goes downhill from there. And yeah, Christopher yeah. Walken's in but, a Diedrich Bader. It's awful. It's really terrible. But I don't think a lot of people watched it when they came out. I think I think Pirates of the Caribbean opened up a lot of people's minds to these theme park movies and and then they saw the terribleness of like the haunted mansion but i think a lot of people never gave country bears a chance and you know that's it hasn't been streaming on netflix and other places so disney plus is now a place where you can see Mm -hmm. truly one of the worst movies ever made yes yes it was a worthy follow-up to the television film tower of terror yes (laughs) for theme park attractions yeah it's you know (laughs) and it just it hurts me that there's so many good people in country bears uh that but at least like terry terry harden the disney imagineer that we talked about a couple weeks ago with you know she she did the you know the dragon beneath um the Sleeping yeah. Beauty Castle Design Paris. She worked on this. Yeah. But she was one of the bears. Whereas Tower of Terror, I mean Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst, you you can't expect good from the start with that. But I know a lot of people love it. But moving on to my third choice, this one is actually a good one. I hope Michael would agree with me on this one. And this is actually the the movie that came out of DuckTales. And this is mm-hmm. DuckTales Treasure of the Lost Lamp. And my children loved this film. Me too. And this was one of those. It was one of the ones that we we videotaped uh, off the TV and just watched and rewatched. I I have a fondness, as we've talked about many times, for the Disney afternoon shows and stuff. And for me, I think with Ducktales, I love Ducktales. I think more of my fondness for Ducktales actually comes from this movie versus the the entire series itself 
I, I probably watched Treasure Treasure of the Lost Lamp uh, probably a hundred times growing up. I I absolutely love it. You know, they they go on their treasure hunt and and they get they have the genie at their will and with the zaniness of Ducktales and and Scrooge gets involved and finds out about about the genie and it's it, it I, I don't want to ruin too much for you because of my list of my list full of a lot of terrible stuff I feel like this is this is one that if you haven't had the chance to watch it before mm-hmm. really give it a shot like maybe even watch it before you watch any of the DuckTales series if you didn't grow up with it it's it's it is a very good movie. It's it's one of those ones I feel like even though it wasn't made by the the head honchos at Disney, it wasn't made as part of like a Walt Disney animated theatrical release. I think it was the studio that they had in Paris. Exactly. Yeah. Did it. Yeah. And it's it, it's like one other movie that I'm going to talk about next that it's I feel like when you're talking about Disney animated classics, even though it wasn't directly animated and released as a, a Walt Disney theatrical animated release, it, it deserves to be in that same regard just because mm-hmm. audiences loved it as much. And it was on a on a higher quality. So that leads into my next one, which uh, is 1995's Goofy Movie. And... Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yes, and the reason I I put this on my list is because it it hasn't been hard to find. It's been on DVD for years and years and years in VHS before, and it's it's available on Blu-ray as part of the Disney Movie Club. Which again, I you know it's it's accessible but not easily accessible. But this was one of those frustrating ones that for years you're wondering why isn't it on Netflix? Because an extremely goofy movie, the sequel to it has been on netflix for as long Mm -hmm. as i can remember but never a goofy movie and if you've seen both of them you know there's no comparison Uh, a goofy movie is fantastic and an extremely goofy movie is is a just not a very good sequel uh but a, a goofy movie of course it's uh it's Goofy and Max are are setting out on their road trip, and Goofy's trying to to reconnect that that kindred spirit with Max and and take him on the vacation like Goofy had with his father back when when he was he was growing up and starting to to get to the point where he's leaving the nest. But meanwhile, Max just wants to to be at home with the the girl that he's showing eyes for, Roxanne, and then makes mm-hmm. up a lie about how how he's going to the Powerline concert and and as any good any good comedy buddy comedy of sorts would happen uh, hilarity ensues and things go off the rails and and I think everyone already knows how it goes everyone's seen it a million times for me the big part is I'm a snob when it comes to watching movies the fact that I will now be able to stream an HD copy of it at will anytime I want it's it's why it's on my list i i would not be surprised if the very night i have disney plus you know i'm gonna watch mandalorian i'm gonna watch a couple couple other the original series but this will probably be what i put on to go to sleep okay sounds good yeah so yeah that's a nice one yeah no it's i and if you haven't seen a goofy movie before just be prepared to be blown away like the lester's possum park sequence is 
incredible. Uh, the the music in the entire movie mm-hmm. is just top notch, top notch. So highly, highly suggest watching that when it starts. For my next pick, I'm going to go back into a, another Disney Channel original <laughs> movie. This one from 1999, and I believe a little bit of a higher quality versus Brink from earlier. And this one, uh, if again, as I said, I was very much into like X Games and extreme sports, and I've talked many times about my love of snowboarding and 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 skiing in the mountains and so of course on my list is is the classic johnny tsunami and are you you familiar (laughs) with this one michael oh yeah yeah and okay i'm a little upset that you're giving me a little flack for this one because i I, i'm not saying anything it's perfect A, a a boy whose father or grandfather is a surfing legend is ripped away from the ocean, ripped away by his parents, and they move to the mountains, and then has oh, to Vermont, deal yeah. with learning how to surf a different kind of beast. He has to learn how to surf the mountains, and you know, of course, make friends and and overcome the odds. And uh, essentially, yes, I I don't really remember if this movie is that good or bad, but all I remember is that. It really made me want to snowboard back when when I first started skiing and such, and it's probably the reason why I actually started snowboarding. And so, oh well, I can see why you would want to see this again. Yeah, and it's I from quality wise, I do remember this being a lot better than a lot of other Disney Channel original movies that came out at the time. But you know, it's it's going to be filled with your same cheesy tropes that are here and there, but. Uh, I, it's kind of on the same level as Brink. It's very family friendly. It's nothing that you, you can't show your kids that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it left a big impact on me. And maybe it will leave a big impact on you. But let's be real. You're probably not going to watch it. So <laughs> I'm, I've accepted it. It, got, it was very well regarded, as I remember, it's you know, back in the day. One of the rare ones to spawn a sequel. So mm-hmm. uh, that it really, it really was regarded. I mean, back in that day, it was it was one of those ones that was shown over and over and over. So I don't I don't know what the equivalent of that is today with the Disney Channel original movies. Just because I don't I don't really watch the Disney Channel anymore. But I mean, it's it was not rare to see it like multiple times a month pop up on Disney Channel. So uh, that. I, guess that kind of shows how popular it was but uh, my next pick uh, another redemption pick for me in in the terms of (laughs) michael's eyes and this is uh, a series that debuted in 2018 but not to american audiences and that is the legend of the three caballeros the Mm -hmm. little animated series and uh, i will fully admit this is one that i still don't know a ton about just because uh, because I haven't had access to it so you know of course it, it features Donald Duck, uh, Jose Carioca and Pancho Pistoles and it's it's a little series that further follows the three caballeros and I think a handful of episodes 10 or 12 or 13 but uh, I, I'm not I'm not too familiar with what the plot or any of the episodes are on but all I know is that I love 
the characters. Yeah. And so this was it was one of those ones when when all the artwork started getting spread around from it last year that this series was out there and but but we weren't we didn't have eyes to see it. I was I was kind of bummed out. And so now that it's going to be on on Disney Plus, I'm super excited about it. So cuz I think it was it was it the Philippines that it was only available. Yeah, yeah, the Philippines and like Southeast Asia or yeah. something. And um, I know I couldn't figure out why it was there. And yeah, you're right. The artwork that I saw is more of the traditional animation, not the current, um, you know, Mark Hen, um, you know, Mickey shorts yeah. that are on Disney Channel. So I was happy to see that. I know Tony Anselmo is voicing Donald Duck. So I thought, okay, they're going. You know, they're not going with a secondary, you know, the the back uh, bench cl- uh, group exactly. for voices. So I, I'm i looking forward to this. I think that th- th- this should be good, I would hope. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite uh, actors out there, uh, you know, I, I, of course, love a lot of quirky actors, as you can tell from my quirky list. But I know that uh, Wayne Knight has a... A voice in the show, and many people out there know him from Seinfeld, Seinfeld. as Newman, or or is uh-huh. in Jurassic Park uh, as his character mm-hmm. has a nice, faithful, fateful end with the Barbasol can and such. So, uh, it, it, it so many other things. Third Rock from the Sun, uh, beyond that, just an amazing, amazing actor. But uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to this show. I, I am so excited that we're. We're finally getting a chance to see it, and maybe it was available some other way that I didn't know about. But I'm excited that I'm going to be able to watch it in this way. So, my next pick is from 1986, uh, a made-for-TV movie that we've talked about not in depth before because we weren't really covering Treasures from the Disney Vault before. But uh, a, a show that a TV movie that I've mentioned before on this show multiple times, and that's Mr. Boogity. And uh, it, 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 you know, this is essentially it's uh, a family moves into a house in New England and they're haunted by ghosts, uh, Mr. Bogarty. And it's it is in every way, shape and form a made for TV movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is it is a bad 80s movie. And I not not bad in terms of quality uh it's i i think it's actually really entertaining it's it's a fun story it's perfect for halloween time so maybe save this one on your list until next season don't don't watch it before christmas uh but it's you know the effects and it are just really terrible uh yeah they're typical low budget tv i think i saw some of this because aren't the ghosts like from the colonial era? Uh huh. They are. Yeah, I've seen some of this. Yeah, yeah. And and then this spawned a sequel. It did. Uh, the the Bride of Boogity. So, yeah. You know, you, you gotta okay. you gotta ruin everything. Where's Where's Son of Boogity? Did they come out with that? Uh, not yet, but we can only hope that uh, that will be a Disney Channel, uh, Disney Plus exclusive <laughs> later on. But. Yeah, it's. I had to throw it on there just because I, you know, a lot of our conversation leading up to Disney Plus was will will the stuff that we've seen on on treasures from the Disney Vault make it? And while we've been sad to report that 
a lot hasn't made it on. This is one that that has, and you know, it's for for a ser- for a app that's really saying like, oh, you know, we're gonna give you everything in in 4K and HD and HDR when available. Mr. Boogity is very much standard definition in bad effects, so it's it's one of those ones. If they would have left it off this service, I would have understood completely, but. It's going to be on there and watch it next Halloween. But one, you know, I had to have my uh, Muppets represented mm-hmm. in some way. And, you know, Michael, you said a lot of your list, you were leaving stuff off that you owned and had full access to. And luckily for me, mm-hmm. I I have quite the collection when it comes to Muppets uh, in terms of the I, I pretty much have everything I think that's been released on Blu-ray and DVD out there. So from the, the Muppet show episodes to all the classic movies and such. So I had to think to myself, what, where can I throw in the Muppets? And I'm not going to include Muppets now until that's out there. But I decided to go with one of the surprises for me. And that's the fact that they're actually going to have the Muppets TV series on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I'm very happy about this because I thought this was a good series. I enjoyed it. Me too. Anyway, and I didn't understand why it didn't catch on. Uh, because it, it was so close to the original Muppet Show in a lot of ways. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah, it did. You know, the, the Muppet Show, of course, was variety based, but it was variety based with adult humor. And mm-hmm. that's something that slowly kind of made its way out of a lot of the Muppet movies and you know throughout the late 90s and 2000s it essentially completely disappeared even even when uh, when the Muppets movie came out in uh, 2011 and you know Muppets Most Wanted came out even though they infused some adult humor into it it was still very very sterile to a point in terms of pushing the pushing the boundaries and the Muppets the the TV series definitely did, and it, it was not appreciated, and it also did not spawn any you know DVD or Blu-ray re- releases with it. It didn't make its way to Hulu. It kind of just as soon as it was over, if you, unless you DVR'd it, it, I couldn't find it anywhere. So maybe I'm just terrible at looking, and you know maybe I should have just pirated it like all the people I just ripped on earlier this episode. No, but, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, it's I haven't had access to it since those episodes were on TV way back when, four years ago. So I'm excited that I get to rewatch it again because I really did enjoy it. Uh, I was, yeah, I I thought it was it was a hoot. So it's not every episode was great, but for the most part, it was it was a solid show. So and I'm glad that they're having things like this because there are times when I only have like 30 minutes or something to watch TV. I just want to relax. So I'll I'll look for like The Simpsons, which are on Disney Plus, yep. of course. And, and I'll look for something that's 30 minutes long that I'm going to enjoy. And this is one of the things that I would pull up on Disney Plus. I'm glad they have things like this and like the Legend of the Three Caballeros where, you know, you don't have to follow it religiously, but if you have a free moment, you just want to relax and laugh and put up your feet, there's a lot of stuff on Disney Plus that you can do that. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And when and I'm glad that you were okay with my choice in the Muppets because I know you're not probably okay with my next choice. And that is the iteration of Winnie the Pooh that 
I grew up with, and that is from 1989, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, the I, Saturday morning. I'm not, I'm not familiar with this one at all. <laughs> well, I, I know you, you're not really a fan of any of the handling of Pooh with Disney. So, uh, except um, except the the last one, the Ewan McGregor mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. film. I thought they did a nice job with that, and then the last hand drawn animation one they did that Eric Goldberg worked on. Yeah, and all that. I, I like that one. Yeah. But and yeah, I'm not a big fan overall. Yeah, so essentially, uh, you know, this was this was everywhere in the the late '80s into the early '90s, and that's that's what it its run was, and then reruns just were brought back entirely throughout the '90s. And uh, you know, as much as I, I watched the series a lot, I, I loved all the episodes. So it pretty much, you expect everyone that was doing the voices at, in the 80s and 90s to actually do the voices. So, you know, Jim Cummings was Pooh and Tigger, and John Fiedler was, was Pigger, uh, Piglet. <laughs> Not Pigger. 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 Oh, uh, gosh, that'll be the new character when they remake this. They'll have a Pigger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. the, un, the unholy um, <laughs> the unholy child yeah. of... Tigger and pig. Yeah, um, you know, uh, to try to redeem myself from here, you know, Paul Winchell also, he started off doing Tigger in there and then mm-hmm. it moved to Jim Cummings uh, helping out on that. But uh, it's really the series itself, I, there's so many episodes I remember because they released a lot of the, 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 cassettes where they would put just two episodes on or four episodes and and release it like that so i had a, a handful of those uh where i could rewatch those ones over and over again but it's if you're wondering like oh have i maybe seen them before these are the same styles that then eventually led into uh some of the holiday specials that that came out during the time uh like um i, I winnie the pooh and christmas too and some of oh, yeah. some of the ones like that. that. So uh, it's that that style. So not not necessarily classic poo, and you know a little bit to me. I like it more than the the Tigger movie era, Winnie the Pooh and such, where it mm-hmm. started feeling like it just got beaten to death. But uh, but yeah, I it's it's a it's a fun show, and this is where you know we talked a little bit about programming for kids. This would be good kids programming. So, but then also Craig, mm-hmm. adult Craig, and uh, my final pick is one that we've we've really talked about on the show a ton of times. So I'm not going in depth on it. Just have to mention uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty from 2010, uh, the awesome, awesome, awesome documentary yes. uh, that you know a friend of our show that we've had on Don Hahn is uh, mm-hmm. heavily heavily involved in it, and it follows Disney. Right before, right before the Renaissance, when they were at their lowest time, and through through the Renaissance, and just absolutely spectacular filmmaking in this documentary, and you know, there's there's plenty of information out there on Disney during this time, but to me, something about the documentary brings brings that time period to life, and you know, oh, yeah. visually, it absolutely does, and so just some of the moments in the movie are are absolutely spectacular uh i just i cannot recommend it enough and this is one where like yeah you can go out and get it on a dvd right now but i've 
it's it's also it was so well made it needs to be streamed in high def and you need to like it's it was never released on blu-ray in the united states so it's another one for me where now i will have a version of it that that matches the time period that we now live in and it's just it's wonderful so i have i have the dvd and i have watched this several times it is it chronicles those 10 years of the Disney Renaissance so well from, you know, 1984 to 1994. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. How they went from the lowest of the lows to high where suddenly Disney animators became superstars. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> and it all crashed again. And, um, you know, so anybody listening to this show should watch yeah. this. Oh, it was uh, it was one that I was told about. I missed it when it first came out, and then I watched it during Treasures from the Disney Vault. I DVR'd it that night. I accidentally deleted it because it wasn't named correctly on on my back end, and it was it was one of the most disappointing things because I after I DVR'd it, I probably watched it like five or six times. It's one of those documentaries. You can watch it over and over again, even though it's so laid out for you so easily. It's you, you just as they're talking, you know, you'll see a visual that you might have missed the first time. You you go back and you watch one of the movies they're talking about, and you see it from a different perspective. It is, oh, I cannot wait to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one. Even though I own it, I probably would watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah, even though I could just walk a few steps and pull it right out um this is just so good i mean that's so good it's part of the the beauty of disney plus and a lot of my list yes my list you can find other places it's available on dvd and stuff but it's the convenience of having it streaming for you so when you're in a room where you don't have that dvd or blu-ray player or you're traveling and oh i really wish i could watch that well now i can it's that's that's part of what's going to make Disney Plus so amazing, and uh, and just because I won't let you hold me back. Also, Home Alone's going to be on there, so watch that all holiday season. Only the original mm-hmm. one. Don't watch Lost in New York or the third one. Just the first. <laughs> the first one is good. My son was obsessed with that film yeah. when he was little. Everyone should be. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Craig. Mm-hmm. So that was an illuminating list <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun so well we we um we hope you enjoyed hearing our disney plus lists and what's on your disney plus list let us know on twitter at connecting walt uh, you may have things completely different or are you going to be watching the same things we are we'd be fascinated to find out so, but now we're going back in time to this week in Disney history. Let's see if there's anything that we've talked about in these last two episodes that are on our our history list. All right, the week of November twenty fourth. Well, you know, you know, Craig, a lot of holiday things are this week is there a holiday that takes place during this week (laughs) there is there is it is like it's boy oh boy christmas macy's macy's parade really figures heavily this week in disney history yeah man okay okay 
All right, November 24th. What would become a holiday tradition brightened Walt Disney World for the first time on November 24th, 1995? What is the name of this spectacular? Well, it, all traditions have to come to an end. And unfortunately, yes. uh, the Osborne family spectacle of dancing lights came to an end. That's but right. that is the tradition you're speaking of. That's right. It brightened the Disney MGM Studios for the very first time on the state. The overwhelmingly positive reaction from Walt Disney World guests will turn the park's residential street Christmas lights into a yearly tradition. Initially constructed by Arkansas businessman Jennings Osborne as a gift for his six-year-old daughter, Allison, the display will become one of the most popular attractions during the park's holiday season. I've seen like six times already this season people saying, well, Galaxy's Edge wasn't worth losing the spectacle of dancing lights. I'm like, huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I disagree with that. I, I think they both were spectacular in their own right, but, mm-hmm. you know, all things have to end eventually. Yeah, let's hope it finds a home somewhere. I always thought it would end up at Universal Studios someday. Because they have the buildings for it. They do have the architecture that it would work mm-hmm. very well. But yeah. I'm sure that Disney had a, a nice uh, non-compete attached to them. They, they do. Yeah. From what I understand. It lasts for several years. <laughs> anyway. Okay, November 25th. A new balloon from the Walt Disney Company's debu- company debuts in the November 25th 2004 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City. The balloon represents the star of Disney's next animated film. Who is it? What was the year again? Sorry. November 25th, 2004. Oh, you've got me on this. I cannot think. Next animated film. I can't think about what came out in 2004. Well, it's the next animated film. Doesn't necessarily mean it's 2004. Remember, we're at the end of the year here. Uh, yeah, I'm still struggling because I'm like, I know Home of the Range was sometime around then, but I can't think they would make a balloon out of it. And even then, no, that they, might have been, what, 2002 or 2003? I, I struggle with Disney movies this, at this time. Okay, this... This is their. This was Disney's foray into computer animation. If that helps, uh, Chicken Little. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The giant helium balloon measures in at sixty and a half feet tall, twenty six feet wide, and sixty eight and a half feet long. Also performing is Raven Raven Simone as Disney Channel's That's So Raven. Because I know you. I know that's on your list, Disney Plus list. Uh, that's So Raven. <laughs> Yeah. No, I I couldn't stand that show uh, while it was on the air, so I will not be revisiting that one. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, yes, Chicken Little. I wonder what they do with these one-and-done balloons that, you know, don't appear again. I wonder if they can recycle them. I'm sure they're made into pin form, and someone <laughs> out there is proud to say that they have a pin of the balloon of Chicken Little from the... 2004 oh, sure. Thanksgiving Day Parade. I, I have no doubt. Uh, okay, 
November 26th, the 83rd Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade takes place in New York City on November 26, 2009. Mickey Mouse rejoins the parade this year with a new outfit in the fourth parade version of the mouse. What is the name of this balloon? <laughs> Michael, think I have no hap- idea. <laughs> think what happened in a Disney company 2009. What was going to happen? I'm not, I'm not sure. No. Well, they called it either Cruise Ship Mickey or Sailor Mickey balloon because of the ships. Not only Mickey, the newest balloon in the parade, he's also this year's Mickey's official holiday ambassador. Mickey is approximately 61 feet high, 33 feet wide, and 48 feet long, and takes about 14,000 cubic feet of helium to fill. And he is joined by fellow helium-powered Disney-owned characters Buzz Lightyear and parade veteran Kermit the Frog. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pass on this one because I actually know exactly where I was Thanksgiving morning in 2009. I was working at the little diner restaurant in, in Pennsylvania that I worked at. And oh, okay. I, I, I remember that I had to work a 6 a.m. till a 4 p.m. shift. And then we got to go home and enjoy the holiday with our family. So oh, well, it was nice to let you off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then right back at it for Black Friday and all the crazy shoppers. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I have a plush of this Sailor Mickey. M- Macy sold one of those, too. It's, <laughs> uh, i got to start watching that parade a little bit more closely, I think. You do, because the next question. Oh, God. <laughs> November 27th at the 86th, 82nd annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City. On November 27, 2008, the cast of Broadway's Little Mermaid performs under the sea and miley cyrus sings the original tune i thought i lost you on board walt disney's new bolt float which pixar character made its helium balloon debut Hmm. i've already given you a hint and maybe i didn't uh maybe i didn't pay attention enough then (laughs) because i don't know if i heard the hint in there oh it wasn't in this one why, why don't you just tell me? <laughs> it's Buzz Lightyear. I, I must have missed that hint before. That <laughs> it was in the previous question. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> where it was not, where it was the eighty third Macy's uh, parade. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> oh, are we out of are we out of Thanksgiving? Please tell me we're out of Thanksgiving. Oh no, we have one more. Oh gosh. <laughs> so. Um, November 28th, Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse and one of the three little pigs appear at Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City on November 28th, 1935. This is Mickey's second appearance. Another popular Disney character made their debut in this parade. Who was it? Think of him as a sidekick. Um, it's that early, I'm going to say Donald. That's right. Donald Duck. Okay. I was going to say right. Pluto and, until I thought of the... Pluto Pluto was <laughs> was in the year before. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> so wonderful. Anyway. Uh-huh. So, okay. 
November 29th. Walt Disney received a letter from conductor Leopold Stokowski on November 29th, 1937, with a suggestion for a character to use in The Sorcerer's Apprentice instead of using Mickey Mouse. What did the maestro suggest? I'm not sure about this. I don't think I've ever heard this fact before. Yeah, yeah. Stakowski suggested that Walt create a new character to use in The Sorcerer's Apprentice instead of using Mickey Mouse. In 1940, Stakowski will make the famous film Fantasia together with Walt and Mickey Mouse. I'll have to go back and listen to our Mickey episodes a little bit more closely. (laughs) So, I don't think I brought that up, though. Oh. Because now Dopey was considered... For what? A lot of the animators wanted Dopey in it because he was so popular, but I, Walt yeah. insisted on Mickey. I could see Dopey working really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, November 30th, the Disney Channel debuts the teen sitcom Good Morning, Miss Bliss. I didn't see that in a Disney Plus lineup. <laughs> on November 30th, 1988, Haley Mills stars as Miss Carrie Bliss, a teacher at John F. Kennedy Junior High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Originally a pilot for NBC, Good Morning Miss Bliss will run for one season on the Disney Channel. When the show is dropped by the Disney Channel after 13 episodes, the rights will be acquired by NBC, who will retool the series under a new name. What is the name of this more successful series? It's, of course, Saved by the Bell. It is. And, of course, the focus of the show will shift towards the antics of the students themselves rather than Miss Bliss, who is dropped from the series. <laughs> and, you know, we're still benefiting it from this day on. You know, it's uh, Mark Paul Gossler and Tiffany Amber Thiessen and no, Dustin Diamond. <laughs> that entertainment, one of those entertainment shows is on everything, yep. it seems. Mario days. Lopez. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all of them. Yeah. All of them. Just leaving their impact. Uh, the, yeah. the girl from Showgirls. I, Elizabeth, whatever her name is. They're, Haley or Hallie or Shayla, I don't yeah, know. It's, I never saw that film. I just know it's notorious for being one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can say I have not watched it, but, you know, as someone who grew up watching Saved by the Bell, it was always like, what? She yeah. went and made this movie afterwards? But... I think she was trying to resurrect her career. I heard the story behind this at one point, and, and she decided in order to break the um, sort of the Saved by the Bell mold, Ugh. she felt she had to do something just the opposite. And that was that was what she did. Well, I <laughs> hate to see what Rhino does after he leaves the disc one day. So. <laughs> Don't start rumors. <laughs> I mean, gosh, you already said in an earlier episode he did a strip tease on last year's Give Kids the World... Um, Listen, I'm not trying to start the rumors. They, they write themselves. Uh, anyway, yes, I actually, I watched this series, mainly because Haley Mills was in it. And it was fine. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but it had all the same um, youngsters in it when it went over to Save by the Bell. Yeah, just very different tone. Uh, like, mm-hmm. it's it, when you watch them back and they, like, would scramble the episodes together. I mean, you could you could really tell the difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Anyway, all right. 
Well, you did okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> Next year, why don't we leave the parade out of it? It doesn't need to be involved. <laughs> well, I think we've pretty much exhausted the parade Good. questions Good. anyway. Oh, okay. Well, the United States is celebrating Thanksgiving on November 28th, and we hope that you are having a joyous celebration with much to give thanks for. We will be taking the week off, so there will be no show on November 29th. But we'll return on December 6th with the first of our Q&A episodes. So from all of us here to all of you, a very happy Thanksgiving. So, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? You can find me on all the different shows on the Dis Unplugged Podcast Network and then on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? You can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at MBowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. You can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt. We'll look forward to seeing your Disney Plus lists. We'll um, brink beyond yours. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for our Disney history episodes, either through our show notes link or at DisneyUnplugged.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings thank you for making us a part of your day and remember i only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that it was all started by a man walt disney and his brother roy 